You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, hello, very warm welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast, and this is the third and final part of our series that we've been recording live from Procurement Summit in Berlin. And this third episode is going to be featuring three interviews with some really cool, bright new startups in the space of services procurement. Yes, all three of the interviews from today feature services procurement very heavily in their offering, and each offer a slightly, uh, somewhat different solution solution to tackling this problem. So without any further ado, let's dive straight into our first interview with our first startup. So our first startup in the services category is Prospium, and I would like to welcome co-founder Philip along to the ProcureTech podcast. We're battling with a little bit of background noise here. It's a little bit more noisy around us at this time of day, but bear with us. Philip, welcome. Hi, James. Great to be with you. Thank you. So your your sort of main focus is on the IT and marketing space, but you're also a relevant solution to, to some of the wider sort of service, services procurement as well. So maybe just start off, give a quick introduction of how you came to found this solution, this software solution, and, uh, and what it is in terms of specific problem uh, that you feel that it solves as its unique selling point. Okay, great. Um... Well, we founded Prospim three years ago. We were three co-founders at the time. And we were all working in IT, uh, drafting offer letters and writing offers for several tenders uh, by different big companies at the time. What we noticed was how much work goes into tenders and tendering in general. And that it's a very collaborative process involving stakeholders on our team when we were on the vendor side, but also on the procurement side. There was a lot of people involved. And then at the end, what we had to do was just upload it into some portal where we would dump it. And we weren't even sure if people would actually take the time to look at it properly. And we figured it's wrong to handle the process this way for something as complex as services, especially when you're dealing with complex services like IT services. Because it's much more nuanced than putting a bid out and getting three quotes for some sort of materials or, or, or some really easy sort of catalog type purchase on the indirect side, isn't it? Any, any sort of complex professional service is going to have a lot more nuances and it's usually a lot less dependent on price. Or I mean, price is obviously a factor, but it's, it's one of many rather than the main one. That's exactly right. So if you have a company that, um, that is looking for, for, uh, for software regularly or that employs a lot of IT um, uh, programmers or consultants on a regular basis, then you're going to have uh, shifting requirements. You're going to have um, a lot of people involved in drafting the requirements. And you're going to have a lot of back and forth. So you can't yeah. just plug something into an Excel sheet send it out there and get a quote, oftentimes there's going to be, as you said, many factors involved in the selection process um, that play a role. And that's exactly why we want to draft a solution that can manage that complexity effectively um, from basically from the initial sourcing event throughout the entire supplier lifecycle. 
So it's it starts very much on the uh, it starts very much upstream in terms of vendor onboarding and documentation, and then can it take then the the customer right the way through the sourcing process up to contract, or or, or does it offer complete contract lifecycle management after that as well? We actually don't deal with the contracts because those have their own nuances again and are often renegotiated and you have a lot of complexity yeah. dealing specifically with that. But you're exactly right, we do start with the onboarding process. So what we what CrossBAM offers is a supplier management solution and a sourcing solution, tailored specifically for companies that have a lot of services in their categories, basically. In their uh, categories. And are they more the sort of strategic big ticket items or are you concentrating more on, on the long tail? No, we're concentrating much more on the big strategic items. Generally, we integrate with other um, P2P solutions when it comes to like, um, basically like buying something like by click or putting it into your cart and basically generating appeal from that. Um, that's not what our concern is. What we, yeah. what we help um, our customers with is um, managing the complexity uh, when, when, when drafting requirements, engaging with their stakeholders and their organizations on a centralized platform where they can collaborate and actually get to a result fairly quickly, basically. Yeah. And then going out into the market, finding the appropriate vendors, vetting them, benchmarking them, and then bringing in the offers that are ultimately going to add value to your organization. So walk me through then, how would you see the difference between using Prospium to do that versus, I guess, A, using one of the more established enterprise level all-in-one suites that have e-sourcing modules, which you know names, I won't name them, but we've all heard of the big ones, yeah. versus some of the newer best-of-breed type of e-auction or e-sourcing solutions. Where, where do you think they tend to fall short with these type of purchases or sourcing decisions? Yeah. Well, the, let's focus on the, on the big solutions, on the big e-sourcing solutions first. What they do is um, they are often built in such a complex way uh, that it becomes difficult to, um, to, to, to actually have templates there uh, that can really add value to the procurement professional in the sourcing process. Uh, on, the, on the one hand, it's very difficult to kind of set up the sourcing events, and on the other hand, they're, they're, they're not helping you in the way. They're not providing market information. They don't have the benchmarks. They're very complex to handle. So all of that we're taking out and uh, in, instead offering a solution that has a much simpler workflow and adds more value at each step of the process. But uh, So our, our, our focus is more on that and uh, that's basically why our USP when compared to those, uh, to those platforms is definitely on uh, how we set up the sourcing events, how we engage with vendors. We, we can qualify them beforehand, enrich the profiles, and then make suggestions, other big vendors can't do that at this point, right, basically. Right, okay. And uh, then basically provide an intuitive user interface where people want to collaborate. Honestly, most people in the big organizations don't want to collaborate on any of these platforms because they're not as user-friendly as something with yeah. much better UI elements. So it's, yeah. so it's adding value at the beginning in terms of being able to pre-vet some suppliers, but then also perhaps offering less features than they do, but concentrating more on user experience and, and ease of use. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. and I think that, yeah. that is, I mean, there are other e-sourcing solutions out there that are also built with UX in mind, but if I think of all of the ones that I know, they're not necessarily focused on services sourcing. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Of course, there are solutions out there that focus specifically on services sourcing, but they do have uh, a different approach, which is also, um, you know, I, w I would definitely say that they are masters in their own right, basically, because services are so complex uh, that sometimes you may need a different solution for a different use case, of course. Yeah. So in terms of market, who would typically purchase something like this if, you ha if, if, if we're thinking of an avatar customer? Is it, yeah. is it more enterprise level organizations or can it also apply to medium sized businesses that just have a high professional services span? If you're looking at like uh, the ideal customer for Prospim, it would probably be someone who has a lot of spend in the IT category and on all the services surrounding it. So you may be looking at banks, you may be looking at insurance companies, yeah, you may be financial services, yeah, definitely. or even some of these big scale-up in you know, tech startups that are rapidly growing. Yeah. Absolutely, because those are the ones that actually have all of that complexity bundled, and they don't have a lot of direct, direct things that they include in their products. So, so those yeah. are ideal customers for Prospen. We usually engage in the enterprise world. Um, so we're looking at companies that have a spend of about 500 million and upwards. Okay. Um, because uh, those are the ones which will have sourcing events regularly, not yeah. just like everyone's. You know, yeah. <laughs> and do you, and do yeah. you find generally that their procurement organizations are quite mature? Because on the one hand, these companies have traditionally made a lot of money, but then on the other hand, they're quite regulated businesses as well. So I guess in terms of process yeah. and compliance, they probably have pretty well-established processes. Uh, they do, but we did have that in mind when building our system, basically. So our system is basically built to accommodate all of these regulatory procedures and all the compliance factors that filter into it. And again, usually their spend on uh, software doesn't justify the implementation of something as big as one of the big other uh, solutions out there. Right, because it's best of breed, it's more it's more unique in terms of what you so need to get from it. So they still work with a lot of pen and paper, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's not like in the automotive industry where everything is integrated and billions of spend flow over one of the sourcing tools. Usually those companies are a yield customer, between 500 million and like a billion, maybe. They're not that big, basically, to, to, to implement one of those, but they still have the need a lot. And what, what are you hoping to get from Procurement Summit? Oh, wow. Well, obviously, we spent three years developing Prospen. We want to showcase all of its potential. <laughs> That's basically why we're here. <laughs> no, I mean, this event is great because it actually gives you a chance to go out into the world and kind of show uh, the hypothesis that you had when you built your product, the product that you built, collect feedback, and hopefully good feedback, and hopefully customers willing to actually go along the journey with you. So you're still very much in the phase of, of, gain, of getting customer feedback and, ad and adapting that into additional features that you're building in. Oh, that's a constant process that yeah. is a constant process even with all the customers we have we are constantly engaging so everyone says if you put a website together your website is never finished and I guess the same applies to SaaS as well to, uh, oh, to procure tech it does especially if you're building a b2b company it's uh, my feeling is you're never gonna be done yeah so if anyone would like to learn more about this especially if they're in your sort of target customer range what's the best place that they can get hold of you after the summit um, they could definitely check out our website, go to prospium.com. Uh, we have contact information there. You could send an uh, email to info at prospium.com. And of course, they're free to reach out to me directly um, at uh, philip.rathjen at prospium.com or look me up on LinkedIn, Sing, or any of the other uh, channels, basically, in the social media world out there. Will do, yeah. and we'll link to all of those in the show notes. Phil, great to talk to you. Thank you for introducing and telling us a bit more, a bit more about Prospium and... Uh, 
wish you a successful rest of the summit. Awesome, James. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So let's move swiftly on to our second services provider in this little mini episode covering the service procurement startups display, uh, exhibiting today at Procurement Summit. And I'd like to introduce Gregory Vida from Apadua. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, James. And we're going to talk about something really valuable, which is services procurement for everyone. So giving everyone the access to a services procurement platform that is accessible to the masses is something that you really speak for, isn't it? Yes, and it's it's easy to implement because it takes uh, just a few seconds to register and, and start. It's um, very much uh, vendor funded, so it's not only easy to, to, to implement, but also it's 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 uh, affordable and uh yeah it's by procurement professionals for procurement uh, professionals and that's uh, really what uh what we stand for make it easy and there aren't that many startups that can say that are there in the procure tech world surprisingly enough most procurement tech founders don't come from this industry so it's uh, it is a breath of fresh air and i guess you you understand the typical problems that procurement pros have when they're sourcing services as a result if you've uh, if you've done it in practice uh, yes indeed and um, marcus my, my co-founder and i we both have uh, a procurement background we actually come from direct procurement and we also uh uh, now, after years in, in, in consulting, have a good understanding of, of indirects and services procurement. And we also um, see that there is an is a immense value to be created in, in that sphere uh, because direct procurement is very strong in most, uh, most companies. And uh, we feel that indirects and specifically uh, services procurement has some catching up to do. So talk to me about then the typical problems or challenges when you're, when you're going out and buying services and, and how does that process differ if you're sourcing a very strategic long-term contract, I'm thinking things like IT and marketing versus some of the more transactional one-time services spend and, and how does Apadua play to both of those? In the middle of all of it is, is the person who has to, to, to do the job in, in finding the right service provider to um, provide the, the ultimate service to the internal clients. And uh, it doesn't really matter whether it's a one-off or, or long-running project or a rate card uh, that you, you want to wanna, uh, procure. And um, what, what we very basically do is we uh, provide the, the buying team and their internal clients with a tool set that they can use to do everything that they already do today in, a, in an organized manner, digitized on one platform, no, no breaking out of that process. And it's really best practice effort that everybody can use just like that. And, and um, if, you, if you're looking at a, at a long, long running uh, project, you want to make sure that the quality is right, right? It's not all about pricing, not all about uh, uh, availability, but um, it's very, very basically about quality of service. And we help to, to pick up the right signals in the beginning to make a good choice. And also uh, we, 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 we are helping the clients to monitor their projects as well and we help them to better understand where their project is and using all that information to 
improve our algorithm in, in matching afterwards. And you mentioned that your monetization model is that it's funded from the vendor side rather than the, the customer or the, or the buyer side. The, looking at it from the outside in, the obvious risk or limitation there is then that you're limited with the number of vendors that you can reach. So if, if a vendor is not already on your platform, but it's someone that the customer wants to include in an, in a, in an RFP or a tender, how do you then approach that situation? Um, that, that is actually a very common situation yeah. because obviously we, we don't have every vendor out there on our platform yet. So it's really, really common for our clients to, to sort of bring their own vendors to the platform. And there is no, no big effort in, in onboarding them. It's usually not a problem uh, to, to convince them of our model. And our acceptance rate for existing vendors is beyond 90%. So it's really not a big deal to get uh, uh, your own vendors, if they're not on the platform, to, to participate and work on our platform. Especially if they're incumbent vendors, I guess, because it's their business to lose, sure. ultimately. Sure, yeah. sure. But it is an interesting concept because, I mean, most pricing models in this space are more around the customer or the, or the, or the buyer paying to use a license to have some sort of digital solution. So it's uh, it's both interesting and, and unusual in, in equal manner, but uh, but it's obviously something that you found a, a successful growth channel through. Yeah, but it, it cre we, we create immense value not only for the client, but also for the vendor because we, we take the, the sales part out of the equation. So if you look, for instance, at, at consulting, sales costs are about 20 to 30, maybe 40% of, of their cost that they have, depending on, 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 on the, uh, uh, the vendor. And uh, we bring them hot leads only, right? There, there's no, no golfing, no conferences, no nothing. That's just <laughs> yeah. a, a, a current uh, uh, client with a, with a current problem looking for a vendor and we just bring the vendor to a, a waiting client, if you will. It's kind so of like really Amazon, they're, they're going on there looking to buy. It's, yes, yeah. yes. Um, it's, it's, it's really hot leads only, if you will. And in terms of market segment, are you more focused on Europe right now, or do you have vendors across the world that are registered on the platform? We have a worldwide uh, uh, reach with the vendors. Obviously, we are quite Europe-centric right now. But we have we reserve uh, Fortune 500 uh, global companies, and they they obviously they 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 have to source. Right now we're running a, a tax uh, services uh, uh, RFQ uh, for North Africa and uh, 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 Arabia, and that's 27 countries that we cover there. Wow! In one RFQ, and um, so we have a global reach, but our origin obviously is is in Europe. And that, I guess, over time and as you develop and as you grow, that's something that can easily be expanded. Yeah, and everything that we do, everything that is usable today, available to the clients today, has been developed with our clients. We don't do anything that has not been developed with at least two or three clients. If we do something new, we talk to clients first. And actually, the, the RFQ model, uh, module that's new now um, where you can tender out uh, frame agreements, rate cards, 
we developed with three clients and we, we sold the first three licenses before we actually had the tool. So we don't do anything that's not coming from, from our client side. That's a very lean model, isn't it? To take client feedback and then build your features off the back of that. It's, it, it, you mentioned Amazon before. And, and it, obviously we're in a, in a little different sphere because we do B2B business. Yeah. But this customer centricity that they have is really what we aspire as well, right? So as I said in the beginning, we, we, we're selling technology, but our clients are people. And we, we, we want to only offer something that people want to use. It, it's, it's not a tool that you use because it's a tool. It's a tool that you should use because you want to use it because it makes your life easier. So in terms of next steps, in terms of growth, what you have in the pipeline, where, where, are, you, where are you planning to take Apadua from here? Uh, there, there's no limit, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> As but, two unlimited ones there. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> no limit. Um, yeah, we, we quadruple last year. We're going to quadruple this year again. Awesome. In, in terms of clients, in terms of spend on our platform, obviously that uh, we quadruple our revenue as well. Um, we want to want to expand the service portfolio. Really, we're looking into uh, marketing and, and PR as the next services that we will, will cover. We're looking also in, into legal services, and the the professional services market globally is is eight trillion U.S. dollars. So it's 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 I think it's about twice as much as you 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 have in the automotive industry. Yeah. What what, what a lot of people don't realize. So. There's a lot of road ahead of us, and the digitalization of digitization of services and growing that particular area of spend. I mean, there are companies popping up more and more now that do it, but it's still a very immature market in in comparison to things like tail spend management and catalogs and and direct materials. So. Yeah, I think this is going to be the growth area that we see in procurement tech in years to come. So, uh, being one of the uh, the early adopters is, um, yeah, you, you're uh, you're in a pretty strong position to build off that. So, if anyone would like to find more out about uh, Padua, Gregory, or connect with you, what's the best way that they can get in touch? Uh, just send an email to gvida, g-v-i-d-e-r at apadua.com or just go to our website, apadua.com. You will find a contact formula there. You can uh, just book a meeting. Um, and what I want to mention again is uh, our service is not just for big corporations, but also for smaller and mid-sized uh, companies with maybe one or two million spend in the professional service area. And uh, that makes sense for them as well because it's just easy to implement. It's just a plug and play solution. So just feel free to reach out. I think, yeah, that's a really good point. Usability and reachability and a solution that's not just aimed at the enterprise level. I, I think that's an important point to, to emphasize as well. So yeah, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I hope you got a lot from Procurement Summit, some good leads and good luck for the future. Yeah, thank you, James. Thanks for having me. And now over to our final interview in the services procurement section. And this guy, let me tell you, has been a difficult guy to get hold of today. They've been very, very busy. So Fabian Heinrich from Merkinis. Welcome to the ProcureTech Podcast live at Procurement Summit. Very happy to be here at Procurement Summit. So far, it has been amazing two days, and uh, thank you for having me here, James. So, Fabian, tell us a little bit about Merkinis, because you were actually a guest on the show uh, a few episodes back, but for anyone that didn't catch that episode, you're focused on services procurement, but with an interesting spin, because you look at both the strategic and the tailspin side of services procurement. 
Yeah, at the end of the day, what we realized, um, buying organizations, they don't want to have too many solutions when it comes to services. And the other point is, you really need to integrate into the process the end user, that the end user feels involved uh, into the buying process from the very beginning. And also the solution needs to be in a certain way flexible, that you can cater to the different categories with flexible workflows. And how do you manage to get that mix together of being able to have a platform that offers the kind of functionality that a strategic services category manager would need, but at the same time that someone at a very operational level managing tactical spend is, is also able to utilize and get the most from? Yeah, it's basically three things uh, where we like uh, capsulate and it's basically on one side the bottom layer of our system is a taxonomy for services which we build and that makes the whole process a lot easier that all of a sudden uh, you have a taxonomy based on the skills of a respective service provider. And then like to answer your question with regards to the users and the tactical bits, we, ha we are based on a native Microsoft Teams or Google or Slack integration where like, the end users through the native tools can really use Mercanis and do all their operations. Whereas for the strategic bits, Mercanis offers a workflow builder where you can have very like, complex workflows also mirrored within the Mercanis software. So on the one hand, it's kind of like a guided buying solution for tactical, but then it also is, is, is able to do the necessary steps and processes to source something that's more strategic. Exactly. With regards to the strategic bit, it really depends how you set up your project brief, if you want to use features like the digitization of an RFI sheet, the digitization of a pricing sheet, or using uh, milestones or a value benefit analysis, which uh, is at the minute all in Excel. Uh, we automate those processes and like, uh, let strategic buyers focus on more value-added topics. Yeah, it really depends who does the service sourcing, if it's an operational buyer or strategic buyer. But at the end of the day, what we want to achieve is to take off the, all, all the manual and tedious work and drive automation. And are you finding from a customer acquisition perspective that it's more sort of traditional businesses that are interested in this, that sort of a manufacturing, but also have services spend on top of what they're doing for production or or are you attracting more customers from the new economy you know sort of tech startups rapidly scaling businesses in the tech sector that that naturally have a lot of especially things like IT and marketing spend that that may be more tactical in its nature yeah, I wouldn't discount any business or industry because at the end of the day, everyone has to deal with services, even uh, like uh, the big guys from the traditional industries, they have a ton of MRO or facility services. Uh, nevertheless, uh, the bigger or the more mature the um, uh, company or the more the company is in a uh, production-driven industry, the less uh, indirect uh, has a kind of prestige or focus in the organization. Yeah. But uh, we try to change that and we also see there's uh, many things you can, you can really drive uh, within the indirect departments and that's where we come in to empower and to enable also indirect teams with automations in order to drive savings.
if you're buying all of your services through one platform, what I guess it brings that 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 brings the benefit in terms of having that data available if there is if there is a change in personnel or you know to have that all in one space rather than in someone's inbox or, yeah. or on their C drive. What sort of advantages would the would the end client get from that in terms of data with that all being in the same system? Very valid point because like people leave organizations, people change, and to have a single point of truth is like a, a unique asset here. And then also, I mean, we we integrate very well with other systems in order to not have a, a kind of system or media break in, within the buying process. So I think that uh, information and one single point of truth is super important. Fantastic. And in terms of in terms of price point and, and industry sector, industry size. What sort of typical clients or customer base are you going after? Yeah, as I mentioned, everyone has the problem with uh, services, uh, but uh, we look at companies with more than 100 million revenues uh, because those people have a sufficient uh, spend in services. And then with regards to price points, that obviously uh, depends on the spend volume and on the organization. But I can promise you we are cheaper than SAP. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's not hard. So if anyone would like to learn more, what's the best way that they can get, ho that they can get hold of you, Fabian? Perfect. Um, everyone can reach us here at the fair at our purple booth. Um, otherwise, uh, feel free to um, contact us through our website or also through the unique procurement community we've just launched, Procurement Unplugged. And you've actually got a podcast as part of that, haven't you? Exactly. Also with you, James, and we are very much looking forward to that uh, collaborative podcast we will launch in the coming weeks. Fantastic. Fabian, thank you very much for joining me and good luck with the rest of the fair today. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure to be here. Bye. And that brings to a conclusion our content from the Procurement Summit here in Berlin. It's been a fantastic two days actually getting to meet and interview some of the great new innovative startups here at the conference that you've probably not heard of, but are really making some waves in the digital procurement space. I'd also like to say thank you to Procurement Summit for a great collaboration, being able to bring these interviews live from the event. If you want to find out more about Procurement Summit, just go to procurementsummit.de. If you like the ProcureTech podcast, then just hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player. We bring new episodes every week of everything that's cool, innovative, and exciting in the digital procurement space. And we've also just started a monthly newsletter where we curate the latest content and updates and news from everything that's going on in this part of the procurement ecosystem. Go to procuretechpodcast.com forward slash newsletter and sign up there and we will bring that fresh to your inbox once a month. Thank you very much for listening. Take care wherever you are in the world and speak to you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>